Um, but I try to expose you guys to that stuff so you can kind of get a sense of the things that we don't see. Because I guarantee you 99.99% of the public doesn't know about that story, you know, and see some of these scandalous things that happen in business. And I want you guys to be aware of that. So such good I know you, you saw what happened. They were buddy, buddy. And then once uh, the things, you know, kind of problems came around, yeah. uh, Agma threw Pearson under the bus and said, Hey, we're, <laughs> well, who are you again? <laughs> Every, man Every man for himself. That's right. All right. So we've been talking about money a couple times. This is the fourth, uh, like mini lecture on the topic of money and personal finance. I'm not going to go over everything we've talked about, but we've talked about several things, saving and investing and inflation, a couple books that I recommend, credits, how that works. Um, we look, we talked about compound interest last time and looking at how that really does magical things over time. This idea of if you just put a little bit of money up consistently, that's the key. A little bit of money consistently over time, it really turns into something big. Um, and even if it doesn't turn into millions of dollars, just imagine being able to retire with a couple extra hundred thousand st stuck somewhere that could really mean the difference between being able to do those extra little things, travel, have some extra comforts uh, versus not being able to do that kind of stuff. So um, we talked about retirement funds and I started talking about mutual funds a little bit. I'm gonna talk about a little bit more today, how, what they are, how they work. And so this is where we left off, um, stocks. And we brought this up, Lewis asked the question last time we talked about money, what is a stock? And so the capital raised by a business or corporation through the issue and subscription of shares in a corporate law, a stock certificate, also known as a certificate of stock or share certificate is a legal document that certifies ownership of a specific number of shares or stock in a corporation. So the purpose for, the reason why companies issue stock is to share ownership or to uh, sell ownership in order to raise capital. And so um, I use Shark Tank as an example because it's an easy one, but when you go see uh, a deal being done on Shark Tank, they're oftentimes selling a piece of equity or ownership in their company or shares of stock in their company. And the investor will buy those shares with the hope of future return. There's no guarantee. Um, and there's a lot of other aspects like dividends. If a, if a company is profitable, they can issue a dividend and that dividend pays on a per share basis. So let's say that a company you know, earns a nickel in, in earnings per share. Well, if you've got 10 shares of that stock, you just got a 50 cent dividend. And so um, those dividends get paid out to you. And companies are not required to pay that dividend. Sometimes that money is reinvested in the company before they pay it out. Uh, other projects are done with that money. So, uh, but the hope is, is that you make money from not only the dividend payments, but the increase in value or desirability of the stock. So let's say a new issue comes out, which is called an initial public offering. IPO, stock goes IPO, and they're asking $15 a share. Well, because of the hype and desire of that stock, the first day it shoots up to $40 a share because of the demand. It's very much supply and demand. And so, and over the next five years, it goes from $40 a share to $200 a share. And so if you bought stock on day one in the teens or early 20, low 20s, you've, you know, you've got that investment that grew from that low 20s entry point all the way to $200, that's a tenfold increase in your investment. So if you had put in 
five, ten thousand, let's say ten thousand dollars, easy, easy math, ten thousand dollars, twenty fold, you'd have two hundred grand uh, in that short amount of time. <clears throat> there is no guarantees in the stock market. There's no guarantees in, in any investment, but that's uh, just an example of how uh, this kind of a stock could work. I remember when Facebook went public. I remember the exact day of what I was doing. I was working for the University of Mount Olive, and I remember I went into an investment house. I was running, um, I was doing recruiting, and I just spoke to him about the, the Facebook IPO. And at the time, I wasn't a big believer. I just, I was like, eh, you know, because I had lived through the tech boom and bust in the early 2000s. Uh, but Facebook, the share price was around $15 a share. And today, the share price is over is around 150 a share. So that's a tenfold increase. And so if I had to put $1,000 in that day, you know, 15000 or what is that? $10,000 is what I'd have today. So, yeah. So, like I said, no guarantees, but that's what a stock is. So, what's a bond? I know you've heard about bonds. Bond is a fixed income instrument that represents a loan made by an investor to a borrower, typically corporate or governmental. A bond could be thought of as an IOU between the lender and borrower that includes the details of the loan and its payment. So, not an ownership. We're not investing in ownership of the company. We're investing in a loan. And so when I give you money for a bond or give a government body or a, a corporate body money for a bond, I basically lend them money at an agreed upon interest rate. Now, the difference between the stock and the bond, think about this. If I buy a stock, that stock could go down, right? Or it could have no payments, no revenue, no uh, profits to pay a dividend. So... I could say, well, that's a little too risky for me if I invest in stocks because, it, because this company could go out of business, anything could happen, you know. But with the bonds, I guess the company still could go out of business, but with a bond, you're saying, I'm going to get a guaranteed rate of return. That's why I'm giving you this money. It's a loan. And generally, bond yields are low. You're not getting the kind of performance that historically you've seen in the stock market uh, with, with stocks, but they're thought of as a safer investment than uh, stocks. Doesn't make them safe. They are thought of as a safer or lower risk, but it still doesn't make them uh, you know, untouchable when it comes to risk. But they are safer than stocks. So I mentioned mutual funds earlier, and I'm coming back around to that because this is an important topic, um, and I wanted to expand upon it. So a mutual fund is an investment program funded by shareholders that trades in diversified holdings and, professional, and is professionally managed. A mutual fund is a company that pulls money from many investors and invests the monies in securities, such as stocks, bonds, and short-term debt. The combined holdings of a mutual fund are known as a portfolio. Investors buy shares in mutual funds. So I've been uh, following the stock market for about 30 years now, not quite, maybe about 25 years. And I've actually been investing in the stock market for about 25 years. Uh, and so mutual funds are something that I was introduced to early on, and I'm very much convinced they are a good instrument to use for investments because instead of buying a single share of stock, you're buying sometimes dozens or hundreds of shares of stock and bonds. And so different mutual funds have different goals. Some of them are very growth-oriented, like we were focused on growing companies. Some of them are very risk-averse, and they want to invest in things that are secure, and like they'll have a larger bond and, and uh, short-term debt position. And so if you're thinking about investing, mutual funds need to be a part of the conversation. I don't think I've ever met any investor that said stay away from mutual funds 
because uh, whether it depends on what you want to do with your investments, that's completely up to you. But I think if you want to get, get market exposure, the mutual fund's a good way to do that. And there's different types of mutual funds. Some of them are, uh, what we're seeing now in today's uh, markets are big chunks of people, like 40% of the investments in the market now are in things called index funds, where they just put money into the stock market and then invest in the entire stock market. And so they're just gambling that over time, the market is gonna rise. I think that's a pretty good gamble because if you look at the track record over the past many decades that the stock market has been around, on average, it's returned between eight and nine percent on average. So if, you just, if you're buying the whole market, you not only are you diversifying, but you're also guarding yourself against uh, the risk of individual stocks. I mean, <clears throat> I could say I love Apple, I love iPhones, and I put all my money into Apple stock. That could be a great thing, but I could also be terrible. Imagine the people that had all their money tied up in Sears, or all their money tied up in Kodak, or all their money tied up in Toys R Us. These were marquee companies, big parts of American culture. Imagine if you had all your money tied up in Blockbuster, you know, and now those companies are gone. But if you'd have, if, if you'd have bought a mutual fund, chances are those companies were a part of mutual funds in the past, but because uh, they were just a small part of that fund, the overall exposure to the fund didn't get damaged that much. And so <clears throat> there's some other types of investments that I wanted to, these are alternative investments, uh, and not, not necessarily, that's not a good term for them. These are just other investments, that's a better way to describe it. So index funds follow the markets, Exchange traded funds follow a specific index or exchange. <coughs> Real estate, that's uh, traditionally been a good investment for thousands of years. Certificate of deposit and savings, um, that's a more traditional you know, way to store your money. Collectibles, I don't wanna like discount collectibles. I've got an X-Men number one graded over there. That's not my copy, I used to have a copy though. I sold it for a profit and so, <clears throat> Collectibles are something you should consider, uh, but not first. That's something you could add later on. But, uh, you know, imagine having like, you know, 10 Michael Jordan rookie cards in mint condition. You know, I mean, uh, those you can't get one of those for less than a grand nowadays. So, <clears throat> um, commodities like gold and silver. Um, I'm a fan of gold and silver. I think gold and silver uh, or metals are, they're known as a hedge against inflation because as inflation rises so does the price of gold and silver traditionally and so instead of you leaving your money in the bank if you leave your money in your bank as inflation occurs your value or buying power goes down but if you bought that use that same money to buy gold and silver as inflation goes up the price of gold and silver goes up to keep pace with that inflation and so you can trade it out for cash if you needed to <laughs> it's tradi traditionally not been the greatest return or on investment um, compared to stocks but there should be some exposure, in my opinion, to metals, or they're, they're known as a store of value. But once again, this is your money we're talking about, your choices. Um, cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, I'll talk about that in a second. And then lastly, personal business. I guess I'll talk about both of these now. So cryptocurrencies is a new thing. It's only been around for 10 years. I've learned a lot in a short amount of time. That being said, I still got a lot more to learn. Um, I've read several books, I've read and listen to, I've listened to several podcasts by different people who are experts in the space. <laughs> and I will say that Bitcoin is highly, um, highly, like extremely high risk compared to everything else. 
That being said, if you were developing a portfolio, I think it would be a good investment advice to put between one and 5% of your money into it because the upside potential is huge. And if you only put 1% of your money on the line, <clears throat> I don't think that's too too horrible uh, you know, of a thing, but, um, but that's just my opinion. You need to do your own research and check that out. But I think there's, there's something to the Bitcoin thing. Billions, right now it's got a market cap of close to $200 billion. So people all around the world have invested some money into Bitcoin. And I think it has a, a lot of potential for the future of uh, transactions online <coughs> and being able to transfer stores of value instantly. Um, let me give you one example. Has anybody ever used Western Union? Yeah. You have? How was that experience? How much did it cost you to move the money? $10, okay, so <laughs> how much and where, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So how fast do the people get it when you send it to them? Pretty fast. Pretty fast? Same day? Yeah, same Okay, day. that's good. So $10 to move, let's say 1000 bucks. is that fair? Yeah. Okay. So 1000 bucks, $10, and you have to go somewhere to a vendor to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Well, with Bitcoin, you can buy $1,000, and I don't know how much the fee would be uh, on that. There's going to be a fee involved. But you can send it to the person close to instantly too, and and there's no middle person once you own those coins, you know. So, <clears throat> I, I mean, there's a lot to learn. You guys should do some research on that though, and I, I at least want you to be familiar with it. I don't think I would be doing you guys, uh, I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't at least talk about it a little bit, because I think this is going to be a part of investing in the future. Is um, more and more big players like J.P. Morgan. Um, Who's another big bank? This uh, Wells Fargo. These guys are starting to look at cryptocurrencies and develop their own uh, investing units into crypto. There's even nation states like China that are developing cryptocurrencies. You might have heard about uh, Facebook trying to do LibraCoin, which they wanted. They've got two billion users, and they wanted to develop their own internal cryptocurrency. And so, you guys should really start doing some research into this. <coughs> um, there is an app called Cash App that's uh, developed by Square. Huh? You don't like Cash App? Yeah. Why don't you? Um, I, um, I had a friend in high school, she was using Cash App. Right. And you know, her bank account was linked. Yeah. It. And uh, she somehow, somehow somebody hacked into her account and they took all her money. Oh man. She didn't know like, and then like. Was it on her phone? Like, yeah. And then like, she would try to like, um, reset it, but like, it would ask like, stupid questions and stuff like what? to identify like your uh, your identity and stuff because I try to use it one time and I try to do that whole thing and so now I just use like Zelle I think that's right. how that's, that's <laughs> I mean I'm not saying it didn't happen but uh, if unless somebody physically gets your phone it's hard to hack a phone unless you're I mean you're doing some things that lend to hacking you know so yeah. I mean like there's there's things you could do that make you more prone to being hacked so <clears throat> I hate that happened though, but I'll say, I'll say though, Cash App is, they've set up now where you can buy Bitcoin uh, basically fee free. So you don't pay any fees to buy. So you could go buy that thousand dollars with Bitcoin, zero fees, uh, and then send it for a small transaction fee. Probably to send a thousand dollars on the network would probably be a couple bucks, you know, one to two dollars, I would say, something like that. <coughs> and so um, I can see applications all over the place uh, for that in the future. Um, and then personal business, I mentioned this one last. So investing money, you think about in terms of, 
I can invest in a stock or a bond or a mutual fund or silver and gold or Bitcoin or whatever it may be, but I could also start a business and I could put part of my assets or my <laughs> investments into running that business for a return. Entrepreneurship can be the best way to get a return. Lewis, you know what I'm talking about, right? So like, <clears throat> I mean like, just using Lewis as an example, not to pick on you, I'll use a different one. So let's say you wanted to start flipping cars. So you go, you go get a car, you clean it up, you list it, flip it, you make 500 bucks, right? How long would it take you to make 500 bucks if you bought a stock? Or if you bought a mutual fund, it could probably could take you a while, you know, depending on how much you buy. But you flip that and you did it in a day or two, you got that 500 bucks. And so you now you go do it 50 more times, right? So that's, that's really a lucrative thing. And that should be a part of your investment strategy too, not just passive investing, but also active earning and putting money uh, into these investments. So like right now, that Society St. Andrew, I told you guys at the beginning of class, that's a part-time job for me. I also do some part-time teaching, but those part-time jobs allow me to save more. And so uh, I save about 20% of my income every month, which is a lot. Most, most people try to save 10. I've worked my way up to saving 20 and I'm planning to try to save more. But the goal is, uh, and being able to do those side jobs allows me to be able to save that much money. And you know, you got to be able to be focused long term. So, so few people do this, and think about it. There's um, two thirds of our population in the United States right now doesn't really have a retirement plan outside of Social Security. Not good. That's why I'm talking to you guys now, so you can start working the brain and thinking, what can I do? And you might be thinking, once again, I don't have a lot of money, or I don't have a job, or I don't know what he's talking about. That's okay. It, it takes some time to start getting used to this type of dialogue. But that's why we're talking about it, to get you guys comfortable with thinking about it. And really, when you get your first career-based job, that's when you need to be looking at 401ks, IRAs, retirement packages, and really aggressively getting into, you need to start getting in the habit of saving now. Like, uh, does people that have jobs, does all your jobs pay a direct deposit? Does everybody get paid with direct deposit, pretty much? Yeah? You could probably go talk to HR and go open up a second bank account at another bank just go ahead and open up someone somewhere that's usually free to do that and have a 10% of those funds diverted to that savings account. And then just, just, just don't even think about it, you know? And it's, I mean, you can start with 5% if that's too much, but just having something, it really takes off quickly, you know? Um, so questions about any of this so far? All right, so I'm gonna talk about this, then we'll leave for today and pick it up another time. But what is an investment portfolio? An investment portfolio is a collection of assets owned by an individual or by an institution. But most investment por portfolios, particularly portfolios that are assembled to pay for retirement, are made up of many securities such as stocks, bonds, mutual funds, money market funds, and exchange traded funds, and other things. <clears throat> this over here is just an example of how portfolios can be created, depending on your age. If you're young, you want a high exposure to stocks because they're risky with low exposure to cash, bonds, and property. If uh, you're middle-aged, you see that property should be, and stock should be split equally, it says, and then bonds and cash equally. And then retired, you want very low risk. They've only got 10% of their stock in retirement, and then most of their money's in their house, in bonds, and in cash. That is their, that's, the, that's just one thing I found as an example. I have a different portfolio mix for me. You guys could have a different portfolio mix for you. I think, you know, with time on our side, hopefully, hopefully the world's not going to end, uh, that we've got a long investment window 
<laughs> you should be very aggressive in going after returns as a young person because you have time to recover if we do have a 30 or 40% pullback, which we have and we will again. Um, but when 2008 happened, aggressive pullback in the markets. But now we have risen beyond that to an all-time high where the market is now. And so just know that volatility, <coughs> volatility and up and downs are part of the markets. When you see the market falling, Warren Buffett, one of the biggest investors of all time, or one of the, the most well-respected, he said, you know, be fearful when people are greedy and greedy when people are fearful. That means that when everybody's selling, that's when you should be looking for buying opportunities. When people are trying to sell their house because they've got to get out of it, they don't have liquidity, they're, they're selling at about a 30% discount, that's when you need to be buying houses. When people are uh, in there buying everything up and prices are shooting through the sky, that's when you need to tap the brakes and say, let me wait a minute. Let me hold on to my cash for a little bit because uh, things are sky high right now. They're going to come back down again. All right, questions, comments. What we're going to do next time is talk about some creating your portfolio, how to do that a little bit, okay? All right, guys, I appreciate you. We will pick up until I start Chapter 6 on Wednesday. And until then, if you need anything, send me an email. I will be sending an email tomorrow, just kind of uh, the general weekly emails I'll send out. Okay, guys? Talk to you soon.